Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. This morning, God wants to talk about His glory. The Lord has put that in my heart. Glory to God is the title of my message. I'm going to ask you to open up into your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. And I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open to that chapter for the entire message. We are literally going to go through the entire book or the the chapter of Psalm 19. Amen? But for the opening, we're just going to read the very first verse. And when you have it, I'm going to ask you kindly to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 19, verse 1. And the Word of the Lord says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Glory to God. I'm going to read that one more time. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Amen. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of God. Amen. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19 begins by declaring the glory of Almighty God. How many of us understand that all creation points to the glory of God. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-knowing. And our God is an ever-present God. His glory is matchless. The entire universe declares the glory, the majesty, the splendor, the power of God, the wisdom of God. And even at the end of this chapter, which we'll read in a little while, the end ends with man himself glorifying God. Amen? Psalm 29 One says, give unto the Lord, you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. How many of us give God glory today? Hallelujah. Many of us give God glory on Sunday morning when we're all together, but we forget to give God glory Monday through Saturday. Giving God glory is a daily thing. Waking up every morning and saying, glory to God. I thank you for the breath in my body. Thank you for the glory. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. I worship you and I adore you. We have to get into the habit of giving him all the glory. Uh, uh, Verse 3 in that same chapter, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. When you hear thunderstorms in the heavens and you feel the power uh, of the sounds and you look at the sky and you see lightning flashing across the sky from the east to the west, You see and you feel the glory. You feel the power of God. Amen? We have to glorify God in our lives. We need to rise every day. Even the angels in heaven are glorifying God 24-7, 365, even though there's no day and time in heaven. Hallelujah. That's for you to understand. Luke 2.14, the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God. We need peace on earth right now. This place is crazy. Hallelujah. Do you recognize God's glory? When you think about that word, do we recognize the glory of God in our life, in our children, in our family? Do you recognize the glory of God in the church? Did you recognize God's glory yesterday while we were outside ministering? It's important. Do you experience his glory or do we turn away from it? Psalm 8, verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. There's a song, how excellent, I love that song, praise God, how excellent is, that's another one, we got to get that on the repertoire, hallelujah. But how excellent is your name 
is your name. She can handle that one. Praise God. I know she can. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. God's glory can be somewhat overwhelming to the novice, to someone who's not used to this presence, used to this glory. It could be very challenging for, for the novice, for the new person to understand what this is all about. Oftentimes, we don't see God's glory. And there's a reason why we don't see God's glory. Do you want to know why we don't see God's glory? Because we're constantly complaining and backbiting and murmuring and negative in nature. If you're always complaining, guess what? You remove the fingerprint of God off of your life. God does not inhabit the gripes, the complaints, and the criticisms of his people. Psalms 22.3, it says, as God inhabits the praises of his people. He's enthroned in your praise, not in your complaints. God does not move to our whimpering and our whining. God does not move when we are, are, are spoiled little children. That does not provoke a response. When you're kicking on the floor, wah, wah, I need a wambalance, wah, wah. that's not going to move God's hand. So what? Your doctor says, hey, we found this little lump. So what? Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is going to show himself strong in my life. Oh, we found this little polyp. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sometimes we got to give glory when it don't even make sense. Amen. You want to see God enthroned in your situation? Do you want to see God uh, uh, just be magnified in your life? How else can his power be demonstrated in your life if you don't go through some kind of drama or some kind of test or trial? Oftentimes we curse the very crisis that we're going through. And it may be God allowing you to go through a season so he can say, watch this. Watch what I'm going to do in his life. Hallelujah. Watch how I'm going to turn things around but then what happened <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do this is happening I can't pay my rent my dog ran away my car doesn't start my job is about to fire me turn your neighbor and say get it together hallelujah I hope he ain't talking about you praise God I hope you didn't make it into the message this morning lying devil hallelujah i love psalm 19 it's a psalm of praise it's a psalm of god's glory and creation it's the praise of creation it's the praise of inspiration of god it's the praise of a consecrated heart before God. And this morning, I'm going to break it down a little bit. Amen. So again, if you have your Bibles open, I'm going to start with the very first, God's glory in creation. I'm going to read verses one through six. Follow along with me this morning. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge that means every time you look outside it reveals the glory of God there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard no matter what part of the world you are you see God's glory their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. that's how big God is he tells the sun you stay here and the sun is like all right And he tells the moon, you stay there. He is the sustainer of life. He holds everything in its place. Do you know if the moon moved even a millimeter close, we would freeze to death. If the sun moved a millimeter close, we would all burn to death. Everything is held exactly where it is supposed to be. That's God. Verse 5, which is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Hallelujah. Every time you look into the sky, every time you look into the heavens, you see the glory of God. 
When we look at the magnificent creatures that God has made, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals, the reptiles, the insects, the plants, the trees, the flowers, all those and the like, we see the glory of God. What about man? What about women? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are masterful craftsmen, a craftsmanship of the master. The Bible says that he made us with his hands. He made Adam out of the dust of the ground. Listen to this and compare this with Psalm 8, 3 through 9. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him. You have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. He's talking about Jesus right there. Hallelujah. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Psalm chapter 8 and Psalm chapter 19, they both are parallel to each other. They both remind us that he is God. And another important fact, they remind us that we are not God. And we are not even little gods. There's some of us that think we're little gods. You ever heard of the 5% nation? The 5 percenters, they think there are little gods on earth. That 5% have discovered their godhead on earth. And all the other 95% are Mahorans and Lahus are hers. You know, the Mormons believe they, they, when they die, they become gods. All of them, they have their own planets, their own territories. It's some weird stuff out there. But make no mistake, God is God alone. He is God and we are not. Amen? It reminds us when we read these chapters of our need for him. He is so big. He is greater than all of us. Here's a real important fact. And this is going to be a little controversial. But guess what? God does not need you he is God all by himself he does not need you don't think that you are needed by God you need him he does not need you but when your need for him arises and you come to him he gives you a whole new life a brand new start. A fresh, clean slate. He changes the old and brings it into new. He takes you from death and brings you into life. It's you that need him. Hallelujah. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Man oftentimes has made the mistake, instead of worshiping God, instead of giving him the glory that he deserves, they turn to the heavens and start worshiping the heavens instead of the maker of the heavens. Can I give you some examples? Here's some loonies that are out there. And even a band that was my favorite band. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Marshall Applewhite, he's to your left. He's the guy that looks like he's dazed. He worshipped the Haley Bop Comet. I didn't even know there was a Haley Bop Comet. And he got a bunch of people to believe in his lies. And not only that, they drank a little potion and they all committed suicide. And apparently they believe that if they all died together, that Haley Bop, which comes every 50 or 100 years or whatever, it was going to pick them up and take them to Planet Moron. I don't know the name of the planet. But here's what makes it more compelling. How deceived the lie and the pit of hell that was upon these people. They were under a spell, a demonic trance. They all had a, a $10 worth of quarters in their pocket. Guess what the quarters were for? To pay the ferryman on the Haley Bop Comet. And he only accepts U.S. American currency. I didn't know quarters were legit on Planet Moron. 
You have Earth, Wind, and Fire. That was one of my bands. That was my favorite all-time band. I bind them in the pit of hell where they came from. If you look right at the cover, all in all, their, their album, there's all kinds of demonic symbols. Those are the Nephilim sitting up there on a pyramid. And, and, and they worshipped all these Egyptian gods. They had a song called Jupiter. They worshipped a planet. And how many of us are still playing all the songs on our radio? When you start to understand these things, guess what? It's time to wipe some stuff out. Hallelujah. I don't want none of that stuff corrupting me. I can start singing some of their songs and I'll backslide. Hallelujah. I'm serious. They were funky. And then you got Neil DeGrasse Tyson. Here's the space dust guy. You know, this is funny because Oprah Winfrey had a thing called Super Soul Sundays. And the very first episode, she had T.D. Jakes. And then followed by, oh no, Deepak Chopra. That's another one. Hallelujah. But Deepak Chopra came out and said, we're all space dust. This guy believes that we're all space dust. That we are particles of the stars that came and fell to earth. And now we have eyes and ears and a brain and emotions and a heart and blood plumps through. How does all that come from a space dust? It takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe that God made man. Only a genius could do that. Not a star. And he's an atheist. He's a God-hating atheist. But there are people that say, wow, that sounds pretty deep. Let me buy some of his books. And we start going on the journey. And what happens is it opens up a portal from hell and produces all kinds of demonic visitations. And then you wonder why you're sleeping at night and you feel pinned, paralysis. I can't move. I can't say Jesus. I can't. Why? It's because a demon has hopped on you in your bed while you're most vulnerable sleeping and you're in a sleep paralysis mode. Close them portals. There are those who worship the creation rather than the creator. We're going to go into Romans 1 in a minute. They worship fire. They worship bulls. They worship goats. Do you know that the goat, the half man and half goat is a symbol of Baphomet, which is the devil. And there are those that worship this symbol, Baal worship and Moloch. They're still offering children to Moloch. How about this? They're still worshiping blood. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't watch vampire? You don't see the vampire movement? There are people even shaving their teeth to look like vampires. And they're drinking human blood. You know why? Because the word of God says life is in the blood. When, when Cain slew his brother Abel, the Lord said, his blood cries out to me from the ground. What have you done? And this is why the devil always wants to defile the things of God. He's not a creator. He has no creative juices. He could only defile. So now he has this whole movement of vampires and Draculas. Now I'm going to give you a disclaimer. I'm about to show you two video clips. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about them before I show them so people don't manifest. Amen. Because what you're about to see is crazy demonic. Cra I'm telling you crazy demonic. What you're about to see. But this is something now that is not only open in our face. It's public. They're right in our face now. They're not even hiding it anymore. I'm going to show you two video clips. One is from a company called CERN. C-E-R-N. Their logo, if you look up their logo, it's composed of three sixes. They're not even hiding it anymore. But CERN is a, is a place where they're trying to uh, uh, fuse atoms together. They're trying to explode atoms. And it's already been reported that they're starting to see real weird stuff happening. Open portals. When the, when the atoms collide, boom, it opens up dimensions. It opens up spiritual portals. They're seeing demons, all kinds of weird manifestations. This is what's going on. And listen... There's so many billions of dollars uh, produced in this big machine where they're spinning these things at rocket speed and exploding it. They're trying to recreate life or allow Satan back home. All right, which is the whole point of Satanism is to try to get Satan back his wings because they believe he was judged too harshly. That's part of Satanism.
and they want to help them. Chris Brown wrote a song, Fallen Angel. Chris Brown wrote a song called Fallen Angel. They think it's a love story. No, it is a love song to Satan. He's singing for Satan to get his wings back, to fly back into heaven and take the throne away from God. You look in Isaiah chapter 14, five times he said, I will ascend above the heavens. I will. It's the greatest statements of ignorance, of foolish pride. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. But I'm going to go into these video clips just to show you some of the, the demonic stuff that is right now happening. The first clip was done in 2015 when they inaugurated this big colossal atom collider. And the second clip I'm going to show you is from the Birmingham Commonwealth. It's been traveling recently. Uh, 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 in London, they have the, 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 the sporting events. It's called the Commonwealth Games. And there was uh, some Baal worship going on. So I want to show you. Are you ready, brother? Amen. Please uh, direct your attention to the screen for the first clip. And I apologize. You're going to see people in underwear. All right? So stop manifesting. You see that on commercials on TV. But listen, I'm just showing you so you're prepared. But this is what they're doing. They're presenting themselves as an offering to the devil. A, a flesh offering. Okay? So just here you go. And I had to edit this down because it was too demonic even to show here. They're preparing themselves like if they're having an orgy. Look at the screen too. Here they are and look, their, their, their heart is beating. And what is it coming? A Baphomet symbol, the symbol of the devil. They're welcoming the presence of the Antichrist into the earth. They're saying, we're going to invite you in. It's demonic. This is an inauguration ceremony. Look at the eyes. Those are symbols of angels. And here's Baphomet. These guys represent world leaders, world nations, and look at what they're going to do. You think they don't know what's going on? You think they don't know what they're doing? You think that's a show? You think that's entertainment? No, that's a, that's a satanic ritual happening right in the open. Let me show you this now from London Games. Bull. And the harlot is on the top of the bull, riding the bull. A darker side to the bull ring. As the beat pounds to remind us of the relentless drive of industry, they drag a beast, a bull, 10 meters high. And enraged by injustice, the bull breaks free and causes pandemonium. Bulls were baited and sold here in the city century for centuries. It's no doubt going to be up to Stella and the Dreamers to try and halt the bull. Stella offers friendship and compassion to tame the beast. And after the event, they put him out in London, right in the center of the city in the UK. And it's now on public display. Do you remember when Moses came down? Aaron had crafted a golden calf. You think this is anything new? The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. They're trying to bring the old spirits back. And they're doing it right in our face. And people are like, wow, what a great show. That was awesome. Great show. How about the Super Bowl? We could have some lights now, brother. Brother Joseph, there you go. Praise God. How about the Super Bowl? I mean, I'm not telling you something you guys have not seen. Beyonce went into the, to the Super Bowl dressed in all kinds of demonic stuff, and her dancers had upside-down pentagrams sewn into their dresses. They're all dancing, and then she leans into the camera. She goes, I want you at home to put your hand on the TV. I want to feel your energy. And all these morons from the living room who's a fan of hers, they go and touch the TV. And what happens? The whole stadium goes out. The power shuts down for 30 minutes. 
And people go, wow, something must have happened, something technical. No, demons, demonic power. These people know what they're doing. Jennifer, uh, uh, the Spanish girl, what's her last? Lopez, J-Lo. She's on the, the, the Empire State Building celebrating the abortion law that was just passed at the time. And Shakira's there with her hands bound and little children in cages and all this other demonic stuff and eyes and pyramids and symbolisms. Katy Perry, for crying out loud, she was a pastor's daughter. She went on TV and said, I sold my soul to the devil. And now she's famous. Now she's on the Super Bowl. You see, what's happening is, from the very beginning of time, people have taken their focus off of God and started to focus into the heavens and into the occult and into demonology and into all different types of things. They worship creation rather than the creator. It's completely demonic. But let us not be mistaken. The truth of God still prevails. But right from the very beginning, God told us, it's in his word. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture from Romans 1. There's a lot of verses, but stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to read Romans 1. I'm going to read from verses 18 to 25. Listen to what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may, what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made and even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, listen, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also, hallelujah, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Listen, saints of God, it is important that you understand this. People know that God exists. Creation reveals it. His eternal glory and Godhead, day and night reminds us, changing seasons, storms, nature, the roaring oceans, all things remind us of the Creator. None other could have designed such an incredible universe. But the people, knowing God, they decided to suppress the truth of God and they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Remember John 8, 44. Who is the father of lies? Satan. And it starts out, that verse, these are Jesus' words. He says, you are of your father the devil. Now that means if you are a liar or you are habitually lying, then you run in league with the enemy. All those that lie are, are in league with the enemy, according to Jesus' own words. Don't, don't throw rocks at me. Hallelujah. It says they made for themselves their own version of God, one that they choose to worship, a God designed of their own making. A man or a beast or a bird or whatever created thing. What does that mean, pastor? That means, and this is what's happening in our current day. We have, for example, homosexuals that exchange the truth of God's word and make themselves a version of God that is okay with homosexuality. And then they say, well, that's the church I'm going to go to because I'm okay with that God. He's all right with me living this alternative lifestyle. 
or those that like to steal or cheat or do whatever they do. They make for themselves a version of God that is not found in this book. They omit the whole counsel of God and make for themselves their own version of God. Some choose to, to worship Buddhas and some choose to worship plants and some smoke plants and some drink plants and some ingest it and stick it in their veins. There's all kinds of false gods, but these are the gods that they worship. And the acts that they commit are the acts of worship to those gods. They exchange the truth of God for the lie. And this is what the Bible says. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Because what happens is, once they are in it, now they got to justify themselves. Now they got to prove to you, well, you're wrong. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve is okay with this. You got it all wrong. You're legalistic. You're religious. They like to throw that around a lot, right? You're legalistic. You're religious. But they continue to walk in their own deception. The worst thing is someone who deceives themselves. And I know I'm, a, I'm about to get hate mail for this one. So listen, let me just tell you. Send your letters to 11 Certified Drive, Middletown, New York, 10940. Or you can email me at specchurch at gmail.com. And I promise to answer every single letter. Amen? Atheists are fools. Straight up fools. Because they believe that nothing created everything. Do you know how much faith it takes to believe that? It's like taking ink and paper and glue and throwing it up in the air and it comes down Encyclopedia Britannica. With numbers and pictures and graphics and designs and authors and titles and page numbers. and You know how moronic that is? But this is what they want us to believe. Nothing, boom, just created life. And now we have birds that eat worms. Where did the worms come from? We have salt water, fresh water, fish that live in fresh water, fish that live in salt water. They eat different foods. They can't survive in a different climate. You have air. We need air to live. We have fruits and vegetables. We, we are sustained by the creator. He provides for the lilies of the valley. The fool, Psalm 14, 1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is no one who does good. Let me paint it to you real simple. ABCs. A painter or a painting, excuse me, a painting reveals a painter. If you look at a beautiful painting, you know there was somebody that painted that picture. A building reveals a builder, and creation reveals a creator. Can we move on? Hallelujah. Now I'm going to talk on a very sensitive subject of homosexuality and the agenda of the LGBTQ. It's in the Word of God, so I'm going to read it straight from there. I'm reading Romans now. I'm in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and, listen, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So, you know, there's a lot of diseases out there that the news media is now being very careful not to label it a homosexual disease. Because they learned their lesson from AIDS. But there are diseases right now named after animals and chicken pox. Do I have to go there? Monkey pox. Oh, monkey pox. Yeah, that's what it is. The, the vast majority of those infected are from the homosexual community. And the others are the children living in the homes with the homosexual parent. And they're not calling it that because they've learned their lesson. And to say it, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. No, I look at evidence. I stick to the facts. 
But let me tell you, this community has become so vile and disgusting. I, I said last week about a transgender person that was, or, or a transvestite, what, not transvestite, I don't even know the names anymore. What is the one that dresses like a man? That's a transvestite, right? A drag queen. There was a male drag queen in a kindergarten class dancing for kindergartners and, and his package fell out of his thong or whatever. And this, I, I spoke about this last week. You have to go back. But this is how disgusting and vile that this community is. And we're now having teachers that bring these people right into the, to the classroom. And they're not even uh, denying it. They're happy. This thing, we're teaching them about the LGBT. There are kids, I saw a kid dressed up in a rainbow shirt and he's on a stripper pole spinning around, a boy. And his mother was going, great job, great job, they, great job, it, great job, uh, uh, cherry pops, whatever they call them. Shame on you. What is more shameful, and I couldn't even post the pictures, I was trying to find one that was at least doable but I couldn't even find one. The pride parades that are now all over the cities of our nation. And you have children sitting on the sidewalk watching these people just defile themselves in public, uh, uh, in everybody's face. What it is, it's a shame. And what happens is they want us to accept this lifestyle as a normal lifestyle. It's not. It's abnormal. It's a mental disorder, in my humble opinion. And they need Jesus. And we need to pray for them, and we need to love them in. But the Bible says, because God has given them over to a depraved, wicked mind, then they are now receiving the penalty of their error in their own bodies. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. As long as they stray away, and that, that is for every sinner, as long as we're straying away from God, we are literally earning our wage, which is death. Let me talk a little bit about the God-haters, and I'm going to finish with this portion in Romans. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That means evil doctrines too. Disobedient to their parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And this is where I'm going today. Because what happens is so long as you're in agreement with this community, they will approve of you. They will come and support you and they'll back you up and they'll do parades with you as long as you are one of those who compromise and say, well, I'm just going to go with the flow because I don't want to offend anybody. Then what happens is you become part of that community. But if you don't approve, you will be outcasted. You would be berated. You would be belittled. You'll be name thrown and everything else that comes with it. Do you know why? Because we read it, because these are haters of God. And many people ask me, how do you know, Pastor? How do you know that people are genuine Christians? Here's a homework assignment. Read Galatians chapter 5. 
Because Galatians chapter 5 lays it out for you clear as day. It's so easy, a caveman can understand it. It tells you the works of the flesh that are clearly seen, manifest, evident. And then it goes on and talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Why does it bring both in the same chapter? So you could easily distinguish if you are talking with, hanging with, walking with, moving with a righteous brother or sister in the faith because they will exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. But someone who is evil and outside of the faith, they're going to exhibit all the works of the flesh as described. We have other people in our, in our community, our society that are so gone. I, I tell you, honestly, I'm not even that smart to figure all this stuff out. When they start talking about, oh, I'm binary, but yesterday I was non-binary, and now today I'm binary, and today I'm this and I'm that, and my pronoun is this, but today I feel like a she, so call me a her, or a, a, but tomorrow I feel like a he. It's how they feel, and every day it changes. I'm confused. <laughs> Who is the author of confusion? I feel bad. There's a woman, uh, Demi Lobato, whatever her name is. I don't know if I pronounce it. I felt sad. I, I almost cried because she was talking gibberish. And she's gone. She's out there. I, don't, I couldn't even. She lost me. I said, oh, God, she's so deceived. Oh, God, she's lost. And she claims to be born again. How many of our fans are saying, well, I'm going to be just like her? This is a disorder. And if you agree, they agree with you. If you don't, they, they target you. But I'm going to tell you why. You have to understand where this is going. The Antichrist, as described in Daniel 11.37, I want you to hear this for yourself. This is Daniel prophesying about the coming Antichrist. He will not be here until... We are gone. So be comforted in that. Don't try to figure out who he's going to be because the Bible says he's hidden until we're gone. Daniel eleven thirty seven. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all right from the very beginning lucifer wanted to be god and this antichrist is going to try to make himself god on earth and we know the eschatology we know the the, the story but here is something that's very important a lot of people miss this he shall not have the desire of a woman that means the antichrist will be a homosexual man a man that's heterosexual, to be with a woman is to give glory to God who made creation process between a man and a woman. But the devil will never give glory to God. That's why he can only defile the perfect order of God. Therefore, exchanging the use of a woman and turning his passion, his vile passion, over to a man to defile the God above. Do not be deceived. This is a trap. This generation every single day is going further away from God. All you hear is inclusive, coexist, all this other stuff. These are all deceptions of man designed for the falling away, the apostasy of the church. There are, I'm surprised nobody walked out of the room yet. Hallelujah. I know it's hot. Hallelujah. But the reality is, I'm telling you the truth. I'm commissioned by God to keep it real. Yes. Isaiah 59, 14. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. That means justice cannot enter. They refuse correction. They refuse to submit to the lordship of God. It's because of an antichrist spirit that has invaded them. Proverbs 12, here's another one that's going to shake you. It's God's word. Proverbs 12, 1 and 2. It says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. It's in the word. That's what it says. Don't hate on me. Hallelujah. 
A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. Why would we deny the existence of God? Why would we deny his great love when all of the world, creation itself, bears the witness of God? It leaves the entire world without excuse. The brightness of the sun reminds us of the brightness of the bridegroom. The birds in the air, singing in the air every day, they sing to the glory of God. I found this quote, I don't know who said it, but it says, Nature's harp is strung to the glory of God. That means we could hear the melodies of nature and be pointed to God's glory. The second point, now I'm back in the book of Psalm 19. I'm reading verses 7 through 11. This is God's inspiration and glory. The law of the Lord is perfect. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to read it again just in case. I'm going to read it loud for the people in the back row. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Hallelujah. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they of gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey to the honeycomb. Uh, and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. His law is perfect. We are unperfect. It's God's law that is like a mirror to us. If you were at yesterday's message, you heard this, but God's law is like a mirror. It reveals to us our errors, and it says this has to change. Grow up. Hallelujah. Let it go. Forgive. Move on. Repent. God's law, His Word speaks to us. It'll tell you to walk in wisdom, that you are worthy of the call that is upon your life as you submit yourself to the law of God. The statutes of the Lord rejoice in our heart. It should be a pleasure to serve the Lord. It should never be a burden. So many people say, well, I don't know if I want to go to church because I'd have to give all this up. Yes, but he'll give you something better. Do you know what it's like to have peace in your heart when you put your head on the pillow? My wife is the most peaceful person in the whole room. Because I'll have the TV on watching my, my, my lions eating the buffaloes and all that. I love that stuff. That gory, brutal stuff. And she'll be like, honey, turn off the TV. I'm trying to sleep. Like that. Boom. Instant. I'm like, man, that's peace. Peace. It takes me a while to unwind. I don't know how to turn this off. It's constantly going. And Marjorie will go, did you hear that? What was that? I'm like, oh, my God, this woman. I'm a hater. But it should be peaceful. It shouldn't be a burden to serve God. Let me give you some scriptures. Hallelujah. Psalm 119.11. Thy word, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, if you're struggling in your sin, this might be the reason. You don't have God's word in your heart. If you're not reading God's word, you're not putting in the tools, the, the equipping, the law of God. It's not being written in your heart. And that's why you're struggling. That's why you can't break those dirty habits. That's why you can't be set free. Because you're not ingesting God's word. 
Do you know that God's word will keep you on the straight and narrow? God's word would keep you faithful to your wife. God's word will keep you faithful to your husband. God's word will keep you faithful in ministry. God's word will sustain you. God's word will feed you. God's word will heal you. God's word will deliver you. God's word will set you free. God's word is going to be written in your heart. The devil can't touch you. Do you have a love affair with God's word? Has there ever been a time that you felt addicted to the word? 1 Corinthians 16, it says, I beseech you, brethren. And he goes on talking about the brethren. He goes, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I remember early in my walk, early on. There was a time in my life that I was just devouring the word. I couldn't get enough. And I would be all day, all night, headphones, having people preach the word in my ear. I'd go to sleep and wake up and my ears would still be hearing the word. And it was a time where there was no MP3 players. I was listening to a Sony Walkman, cassette tapes. But there was a time I would go, I would have a little Bible in my pocket everywhere I went. It's like, a, I need a fix. I need a fix. It was the word. I was addicted to the word. And then guess what happens? Life happens. Marriage happens. Kids happen. And everything starts to go a little astray. But I tell you, those days were the most incredible days of my life. And those words I have hid in my heart. And they got me through every single one of those trials that I went through. I'm standing here today as a miracle of God. My heart, they told me I had a bad heart. I was going to die. I needed a defibrillator. I'm 54 years old. I got to work out every day and try to lose all this weight because I'm so blessed. My heart is the heart of an 18-year-old kid. I get tests every year. They say, your heart is pumping, brother. That's to the glory of God. This is a miracle standing before you. I was rotten to the core. I was no good. I was damaged goods. But God set me free. His word gave me life and his son put me on the path. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and that his commandments are not burdensome. The commandments of the Lord enlighten our eyes. They are the standard of excellence. They reveal God's character, his nature. It's the standard of God. James 2.10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of them all. Remember that God's law is perfect and we're all imperfect. The Bible says every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming not to destroy or abolish the law, but to fulfill the law so that your life, your credit could be put over me and now I could walk into the glory of God, justified, sanctified, redeemed, blood brought, as if I never sinned once in my whole life and the father could look upon the blood of his son poured over me and say well done good and faithful servant another one rescued for the glory of God hallelujah that's what Matthew 5 17 he did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill man's present search for his origin in the heavens is futile it's it's a waste of time creation's facts and creation's lessons never contradict God's inspiration. The scriptures have already revealed to us our origin. Science does not disprove scripture. But scripture, the Bible, confirms science. Let me remind you, my son threw a, a, a nugget, a golden nugget at us all last week. He said he was reading a journal somewhere where these scientists had made an astounding discovery. And they said, we have studied the earth and realized that the composition of the earth is the same as the composition in a human body. Duh! Genesis 2-7. All they had to do was read it. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. The breath, the Zoe breath of life. And man became a living being. 
I love when it said the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Did you know that the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin? It'll help you live a moral life. It'll help you to stay focused and serve God. It'll keep you clean and it'll allow you to live forever in the presence of God. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures and I'm going to pop them all here so you could see them. I'm going to read them quickly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 10. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Did you hear that? Psalm 14, 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. To be perverse is to despise God. 1426, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Did you know, parents, when you fear God, your children will be blessed. They will have a place of safety and shelter because you are their covering. 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Don't be afraid of death. Hallelujah. The fountain of life is in the fear of God. To turn one away from the snares of death. Fear God and live. Disobey God and you will surely die. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you right now. Hallelujah. The judgments of the Lord are righteous altogether. God wants us to be clean. Correction isn't always fun. But you have to understand that we represent heaven here on earth. God calls us his ambassadors. That means the justice of God sometimes has to come to teach us righteousness. 1 Peter 4.17. I'll leave that up. Hallelujah. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first... What will be the end of those who do not obey God? Guess what? As we read, in keeping these, there is great reward. If you want to avoid punishment, you want to avoid the wrath of God, then be wise, fear the Lord, and come to the Lord, especially now while there's still time. God's consecration. This is my final point, but this is not my closing. Get it together. Psalm 19, 12 through 14, these are the last verses. It says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. Let us consider that God's glory brings conviction of sin. I can tell you this. If you are still struggling, that might be a good sign that you're still fighting the good fight of faith. It's when you lose the urge to fight. It's when you lose the resistance to sin that you are already lost and you don't even know it. We can grasp the great gap between God and man when we are convicted of sin and repent. We can understand that God is holy and pure and perfect, that sin disconnected us from him, but that he loved us so much that he sent his son in exchange for us. The son is the only way to get to go to heaven, the only way back to God. And here is a desire for man to bridge the gap between God and man. It's by recognizing their errors. It says, who can recognize his own errors. Imagine, listen to this, imagine those that are most full of pride can recognize pride in others, but they don't see it in themselves. It says, cleanse me from secret faults. What is a secret fault? That means those little wicked things that you do when everybody's gone and you're at home alone in front of the computer. Those little secret things that you think nobody could see. But the Bible says we're surrounded all day long by a great cloud of witnesses. That should scare you. The ones you think you're getting away with. The ones, the secret little ones. Cleanse us, Lord, from, from secret sin. He said, 
Keep me from presumptuous sins. What is presumptuous sins? That's the sin of pride and the sin of rebellion. These are the sins that have dominion over us. The ones that we refuse to give up. The ones that we defend with all of our heart and soul. I'm not full of pride. You're full of pride. They start doing the crump dance. Angry dance. That's a rebellious dance. But they defend it heart and soul. They defend it even though it's sending them to hell. And these are the ones that they fake apologies for. This is a quote. Many of you have heard this. It says, better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Anytime someone apologizes to you, but they use the word but, you know, I'm sorry, but you got to understand, I'm, I'm a man. I got to do what I got to do. I'm, I'm a man. This is what we do. My bad. Anytime somebody throws a butt in their apology, they're not apologizing. I call it an apology, not an apology. They're keeping it to themselves, claiming their righteousness and your wrongdoing. They do not respect you or care for you, and you do not matter to them. It's not a genuine apology. It's not genuine repentance. That's why we need to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. The psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. His words were meant to please God. His thoughts were to please God. This is a good prayer for every single one of us today. This is a prayer that concerns your redemption, forgiveness, and even repentance, excuse me, which brings me now to the conclusion of this message. Amen? Hallelujah. This is my closing. There is no greater joy, there is no greater glory for God than the rescue of one of his saints. When someone comes and repents and turns from their wicked ways, this gives God the greatest glory, power to his son Jesus to proclaim the death, burial, and life-giving resurrection power of God, rescuing one of the deceived, those that were given over to the wickedness of their heart, those that are deceived by their rebellion, deceived by all types of lies from the pit of hell. When they come to the truth, the saving knowledge of Christ, and they come from a place of abnormality into a place of normalcy, this is what pleases God. When they come from death into everlasting life, when they come out of darkness into his marvelous light, this is what gives God glory. Hebrews. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Everyone in this room. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. All things are possible because he made them possible. He said all things are possible for them that believe. John eleven forty. 40. He said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? How many want to see the glory of God in their life? God wants you to see his glory. Isaiah, it says, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Jesus came to fulfill the will of God, to fulfill the perfect law of God and to grant you mercy. John 6, 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. John 10, 29, my father, this is Jesus speaking, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. That means when you come to Christ, you are locked in, you are sealed, hallelujah, you are delivered, you are set free and the devil and the demons and the persecutors at night that come to your bed, they can no longer bother you, they can no longer have rule over you. Nothing can take you out of the Father's hand and Jesus prayed this prayer. Even to this day, this very prayer is for us today. 
And these are Jesus' words. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me to be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. God wants you to discover him, to turn away from the deceptions of the world, to turn away from the culture, the depravity, the wickedness of man, who God had given them over to their own wickedness. God says, come away from them. Come out and be ye separate. 2 Corinthians 6.17 God wants to be your glory. This, in this, is great reward. Listen to Isaiah. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor your brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God and your glory. Hallelujah. I end with this. First Peter, you, and, I, and this, is, this is a God thing because it happened this morning. I prayed this over the men. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Glory to God. You want to see God's glory? Praise his name. You want to see God's blessing? Praise his name. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop looking at the difficulties and just worship God and give Him glory and you will see the favor of the Lord upon your life. God bless you this morning. Saints of the Most High, living God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.